more morning. It's good seeing everybody here this morning. Uh, we're starting a new series today. Uh, so today we're starting a four-week series looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's ever looked at the book of Ecclesiastes in church, let alone a, a four-week series on it. Uh, but here we are. Uh, and so I thought today I wanted to explain a bit of my heart for why we are looking at this over the next four weeks, as well as introducing uh, a little bit about what we're going to be doing today, because I'd like to do something a little bit different today. Uh, so this series on Ecclesiastes has really come out of uh, the, the six-week seminary that you may have re remembered me advertising happening at Unley Park. Uh, so Laura and I went to this wisdom literature uh, six-week seminary uh, to hear about the different parts of the wisdom literature in the Bible. Does anyone here know the books that are classified as wisdom literature? Michael. Job, just one. Ah, 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 don't take them all. Got to share them around, mate. You got correct, though. Your first thing you said was Job. Job is one. Job is a bit of a different one. They're all a bit different. They're all unique from each other. Job, uh, we had Matt Gray come and speak to us at this six-week seminary. And one of the things he said very interesting was Job, if you had to kind of classify Job, uh, is really a document about how not to do pastoral care. So, like, if you read through Job and, like, looked at the friends of Job, don't do what they did. That's kind of almost the point of Job, is uh, how not to do pastoral care. Josh, give me another one. Proverbs. Proverbs. Well done. Proverbs is another one of the wisdom literature. Proverbs is, is very black and white. I'm not sure if you've ever read Proverbs. Uh, a bit different from the other wisdom literature. You come at it, and it has these statements about God blessing certain people and God cursing other people. Uh, and it's very concrete, very black and white. Uh, and although we want to definitely affirm wisdom there, it doesn't always play out the way that the Proverbs will suggest that it should. Uh, but yes, Proverbs is definitely one of the books of the wisdom literature. There's three others. Can you want to think of any of the other ones? Apart from Michael? Song of Solomon, absolutely, the love story between uh, a lover and uh, two lovers, really, as they prepare for marriage. Beautiful, a beautiful story, and it's a bit of a picture, uh, yeah, of, of Christ and the church, and kind of there's these beautiful imageries that kind of come through uh, as part of some of these sorts of things, as it talks about intimacy uh, and expectation and love. Uh, it's going to be a really helpful book, uh, and has a lot of wisdom in it. Yes, two more. Lamentations is not actually wisdom literature. That's a, it's one that we did a series at my last church and I loved it and there's lots of wisdom in there, but not actually classified as wisdom literature. There is uh, Ecclesiastes, which we're going to be looking at, so there's a hint. There is one more. Psalms. Psalms is actually classified, put in the, the wisdom literature section of the Bible uh, because it, it speaks to our emotional experience. It speaks to kind of God and the way we understand him in very emotive language. And so sometimes we've got to be careful when we come and look at books like Psalm that we kind of almost rip verses out of it and take it as, as absolutes when like sometimes they're, they're imagery. There's, there's an image in Psalm of God uh, having his anger awoken against uh, Israel's enemy and it's used the image 
of a warrior who's in a deep sleep, who's woken from his deep sleep and is not happy about it. That deep sleep in the Psalms has been brought on by an overconsumption of alcohol. And so he's, God is likened to a drunk warrior woken up from a drunken slumber and his anger in those who have woken him. That's not saying God's a drunken warrior, but it's helping us to be able to understand in a way that may have been understood by the people back then. It's, there's an imagery, right? It's a motive. And then you come to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a bit of a strange book, vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless. It's kind of a strange one. We kind of know some of those sorts of uh, parts. We don't really know much more about it uh, generally. Uh, Ecclesiastes, and this is one of the reasons why we're going to be looking at it, but I think that Ecclesiastes was actually written by, or at least uh, dictated by, Solomon. And so the thought with Ecclesiastes is it's a speech. It's a speech that Solomon gives. So Solomon, rich, wise, amazing king of Israel, invited people into his palace. And he would invite them, and they would come, and they would have a meal with him. And as part of the meal, he'd kind of put on all the best foods for them and, and kind of lay it on for them. And then they had come not to eat Solomon's food, but what was Solomon known for? His wisdom. He's known for it. They'd come to hear his wisdom. And so at some point during the dinner, Solomon would get up and he would share some of his wisdom some of his reflections on the world around him. And that's what they believe Ecclesiastes is. And one of the reasons they think that is that whenever uh, the author of Ecclesiastes refers to God, it refers to God using the Hebrew Elohim, which is kind of a very generic term for God. If you wanted to talk about the God of Israel specifically, they would talk about Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. But Yahweh isn't in Ecclesiastes at all. That term, that word is not present. It is Elohim. And Elohim was a word that they could have used to describe other gods. It actually comes from uh, a derivative of the word that they would use to describe gods, plural. And Israel took it and made it singular. Elohim, God. And so when the author of Ecclesiastes talks about this, you imagine visiting people who are coming to hear this speech. And Solomon's not getting up there and telling them about the specific God of Israel, uh, Yahweh. He's getting up there talking to them about their experience of the world as they know it. He's talking about a God who sits beyond and above this. He doesn't connect the dot for them. He doesn't force them to see it as Israel's God, but he does bring out some of the common experiences of our world. He brings out some of the things that we all share about the fact that the world doesn't always seem to make sense, that there is random chance and there's stuff which is totally outside of our control. And so as good as Proverbs is in saying, do this, don't be lazy and you'll reap the rewards, sometimes lazy people get lucky. And sometimes, hard-working people don't get what they deserve. 
And Ecclesiastes is wanting to tap into that experience, that reality that we all feel, that we have this innate awareness of, that the world is not as it should be. And what are we supposed to do then if there's this random chance, if there's these kind of coincidences and things don't go to plan? And in the end, what we all share is the same destiny. We're all eventually destined to die. And what then of everything that we've worked for? What then of everything that we've given our life to? How do we make sense of all of this? And that's what Solomon gave this speech to his crowds about. So are we going to do that? We're going to read Ecclesiastes as it was originally heard. Uh, in a moment, Karen's going to come up and she's going to lead some prayers. And once she does, uh, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to read for us the book of Ecclesiastes. It's 12 chapters. My estimate, it'll take about half an hour. Lock the door. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, you're free to leave if you need. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, I just thought it'd be nice for us to be able to hear it in that context. Uh, I went to a wedding uh, a few months ago, um, and there was about 90 minutes of speeches. And they were interesting, and they were about people I loved and cared deeply about, and so I listened to 90 minutes. So I feel like half an hour is not too bad. Uh, so uh, I'm going to invite Karen to come on up and she's going to lead us in some prayers and give us some tips for as we listen to Ecclesiastes. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Juan. Um, yeah, so I um, found working out what to pray for this week really tricky, given the state of the world. But also, um, yeah, as we're about to hear, like, an entire book of the Bible um, read to us. So, oh, yeah. The um, teen girls can go out to their program if they want to. Sorry, I forgot about that. Um, so, yeah, um, please pray with me as we um, yeah, ask God to be with us. God of justice, where are you? Obliber ob obliterate our apathy. Grow our empathy. Bolster our solidarity. Turn us towards goodness. God, come near. God of abundant life, where are you? Move us to forsake violence. Make us people of healing and care. Lead us out of fear and hatred. Guide us along the path of peace. God, come near. God of the heartbroken, where are you? Be with the children who cry out. Be with the mourners and the grievers. Be with the frightened and the weary. Be with the thirsty and hungry. God, come near. God of steadfast love, where are you? Soften human hearts. Grant us courage and wisdom. Give us spirits of mercy and hope. Show us the way 
to mutual flourishing. God, come near. God, we ask you come here and you come near here right now with us. We ask that you um, open our hearts, um, draw us close to you. May we hear what we need to hear um, and may we be changed. Amen. Um, While Swan is going to read to us, um, we've got some stuff if you would like to reflect or doodle or whatever it is along the way. Um, So just some textures and paper. Um, So you might want to, I don't know, create a beautiful artwork or something out of what you're hearing or what God's talking to you about or you might just need a fidget and um, to be able to listen for that long, wherever it works for you and however it is. So I'll pass that around um, and when it's going to come up for us. All right. Uh, As they come around, uh, I want you to imagine that you are in Solomon's palace, that you've just had the main course, you're feeling full, you're feeling satisfied, you're feeling like this has been a lovely experience. Solomon gets up and you are ready to hear some wisdom. Come with that expectation. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the stream comes from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor has the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom. 
and also of madness and folly, but I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I brought male and female slaves and have other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more herd and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and providences. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more do the king's successor do than what was already being done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be remembered, will not, long, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise must die too. So I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether the person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my efforts and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is, is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, 
who can eat or find enjoyment. To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring judgment, both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so they may see what they are like, sorry, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward, and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they had no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they had no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born and who has never seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw 
that all toil and all achievement springs from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? He asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. The youth may have come from prison to the kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares, and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to the, fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase in the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to their owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich... Their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Or wealth lost through some misfortune. So that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. 
Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil, so they can carry in the, that they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain? Since they toil for the wind, all their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is what I have observed to be good. That is it appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. <coughs> I've seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions and honour. So they lack nothing their heart desire. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and may live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning. It departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does the man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity, do not all go to the same place. Everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. What advantage have the wise over fools? What do the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before others? Better, what does the eye seize that the roving of the appetite? This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Whatever exists has already been named, and what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. The more the words, the less the meaning. How does, and how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a person in life? During the few and meaningless days, they pass through like a shadow. Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? A good name is better than fine perfume. And the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fool is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed the rebuke of a wide person than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise person into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of the matter is better than the beginning, and patience is better than pride. 
Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefit those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, wisdom preserves those who have it. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what has been made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these. The righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Wisdom makes one wise person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your hearts that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise, but this was beyond me. Whatever exists is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? So I turned my mind to understand, to investigate and to search out wisdom and the scheme of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chained. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. Look, says the teacher, this is what I have discovered. Adding one thing to another to discover the scheme of things, while I was still searching but not finding, I found one upright man among a thousand, but not one upright woman among them all. This only have I found. God created mankind upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. Who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their face and changes its hard appearance. Obey the king's command, I say, because he took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since the king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm. And the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. All this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over 
others to his own hurt. Then too, I saw the wicked buried, those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise. In the city where they did this, this too is meaningless. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve, and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. So I commend the enjoyment of life, because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of their life God has given them under the sun. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and observe the labor that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all the efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they cannot really comprehend it. So I reflected on all this, included that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love their hate and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy your life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when this hour will come. Our fash uh, as fish are caught in a cruel net, 
or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But no one remembered the poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your posts. Calmness can lay great offence to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of evil that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while, they, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stone may be injured by them. Whoever splits log may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. Woe to the lad whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed the lad whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry. And money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If, a clouds, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth whether a tree falls to the south or to the north. In the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As they do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so they cannot understand the works of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, 
or whether both will do equally well. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return from the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the window grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along, and desires no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like the goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed and judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. That is the words of the teacher as recorded in Ecclesiastes. I'm not sure how you felt having heard that. It's hard to hear all of it. It's hard to stay focused and tuned in for the whole thing. But I wanted to read it out as it was intended, as a speech. Karen may have given you some paper. You might like to take a few more moments now just to reflect upon some of the things that you have heard. There may have been some things that you're not sure about, you're sure you agree with. There may have been some pearls of wisdom that you want to remember and take hold of. You may have heard the repeated frame of eat, drink, and enjoy the days that God has given you. We are going to be looking at at this book for the next three weeks. We're not going to go chapter by chapter. 
we're going to be looking at some of the key themes that come up in Ecclesiastes. So we'll be looking at things like chance and how we uh, think about that, uh, about the, the same fate that overtakes all people. And the reason why I wanted to do what I did this morning and also do this series is because you don't have to look far, particularly as this church is full of many kids, to see that sometimes life doesn't always go the way we planned. Uh, life doesn't always work out. Uh, and if you don't know that, have kids uh, and then watch them do things that you don't want them to do or hurt themselves or injure themselves or have all sorts of problems. Uh, we have some beautiful kids amongst us that have uh, difficulties, disabilities, uh, are neurodiverse. Uh, and so things don't go to plan. But Ecclesiastes is this beautiful letter, beautiful speech, which is given to people to try and help us to make sense of what do we do with all of this? How do we still follow God and enjoy life in the midst of this? So take a few more minutes to finish those reflections and then I'm going to get Karen to come on back up.